0: This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com
1: Alhamdulillah, we want to welcome you all back to Quran 30 for 30. We have been adjusting our tech. We ditched Zoom and we're trying something else. And look at this big old mic. I wanted to copy Sheikh Abdullah so I could be like Sheikh Abdullah. That's right. Uh, A new mic as well, inshallah, ta'ala, so I can be like Sheikh Abdullah, which is... My model in life is to be like Shaykh Abdullah, mashallah. And uh, we want to welcome as well, Astad Nuruddin Knight, alhamdulillah, who is a fellow at Yaqeen, who wrote uh, a really beautiful paper um, before. I mean, aside from the content that she does with us, alhamdulillah, but she wrote the beautiful paper on Aisha radiallahu anha. She also has a book on 40 hadith on Aisha, uh, really framing Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha as more than just, you know, a discussion about her age, but the person of Aisha radiallahu anha. So Astad Nuruddin we're honored to have you uh, tonight with us alhamdulillah and looking forward uh, very much so to your reflections um, on surah al mujadila so inshallah ta'ala as we are now in the 28th uh, juz obviously there are more surahs that are involved here um, but all of these surahs do speak to a uh you know to to to, to the believer having a deep and sincere commitment to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, sincerity and really ethics. Um, a lot of this is about ethics. And a lot of this is about being true to the claims that you make. And subhanAllah, the, the beauty of this juz is that it spans family life. It spans battle. It spans, you know, and the concept of allegiance. Um, it spans um, everything from marriage to divorce and jumu'ah, community life. And the singular theme that, uh, that I see prevalent throughout this or present throughout this juz is this idea of being truthful to your claims, being truthful to your covenants, being truthful to your contracts and going above and beyond with the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has assigned rights uh, to, to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through doing right by them. And so it starts off with Surah Al-Mujadila, the one surah in the Quran where the, the word Allah is in every single ayah of the of the surah, a woman who pleads, and Ustada Nuruddin inshallah is going to talk about the surah, but a woman who pleads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for her right, uh, as her husband is uh, not physically abusing her, but uh, emotionally abusing her through the practice of Dihar, uh which was one of the, uh, the the practices from the days of ignorance, where a person would put their spouse in sort of a suspended and uncertain state. And inshallah ta'ala as Ustaz al-Nuruddin is going to talk about that I'm not going to d- go too much into de- detail with that But this idea that a person mistreats those that are within their homes And is not true to the covenant and the commitment The right of marriage The right of, of marriage that uh, that is to be fulfilled That a person be loyal to their spouse And that a person treat their spouse with بالمعروf, With excellence in accordance with custom And a person violating uh, that right And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala listening to a woman who otherwise would be looked down upon, would be neglected. And subhanAllah, this woman's uh, dua, her supplication, her plea was so powerful that Allah reveals a surah about it. Then you go to Surah Al-Hashr, and in Surah Al-Hashr you, you have uh, the opposite side, which are the believers who love Allah and the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa who assist those who migrate for the sake of Allah and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa people who... Despite having their own difficulties, not only honor the covenant they make with the Prophet وسلم, but they go above and beyond. They prefer others to themselves, and this is talking about the Ansar of the Prophet وسلم, the people of Medina who welcomed in the people of Mecca and gave them preference even to themselves. They went far beyond what they agreed with the Prophet because they understood that there is a contract and there is a pledge, and then there's ihsan, there's excellence. So Allah talks about these people uh, and their selflessness, right? Not only being truthful to their claim that they will host the Prophet sallallahu and they will take him in and the risks and the consequences of taking in the muhajirun, but uh, excelling for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, serving them what they themselves were, uh, you know, were in need of, Showing love to the muhajirun who had lost their homes, and now we're in a situation where, uh, now we're in a situation where um, they were at the mercy of their hosts in the Ansar of the Prophet sallallahu wasallam. And you can think about, you know, when when a person gets married, the vulnerability of putting your life behind uh, to move in with someone else—you're really at the mercy of that other person, especially when you're talking about uh, the spouse here. In in this case. Uh, the woman who is at the mercy of her husband, and he has a choice whether to show her cruelty or to show her the right, the right way, which is, or or to establish the right to to, to have taqwa with her, or to show ihsan, to excel with her, right? And here you have a people that go beyond the act, beyond the contract, to please Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and to do well by those who have come forth for the sake of Allah, which is the opposite of the munafiqun, the hypocrites. On the other hand. They make claims, but they find ways to undermine those claims from the, very, from the very start of making those claims. They word them in certain ways. They're only present in certain circumstances. They're looking for ways to undermine the mission of the Prophet وسلم, and to undermine the contract that they have taken with the Prophet wasallam as he comes to Medina. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah As-Saf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala admonishes uh, the, those that claim uh, to do things that they do not do, Allah admonishes hypocrisy. Ya'yu aladhina amano lima taqoolun ama la ta'faroon. Kaburamaktan 'andallahi antaqoolu ama la ta'faroon. Oh, you believe? Why do you say that which you don't do? Most grievous in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa taala is that you say that which you don't do. So why is it that you're not honoring the contract that you took with Allah subhanahu wa taala? In Allah yuhibbu aladhina fi sabilihi safan kainnahum bunyan Allah loves those believers that fight together like a fortified wall, right? That, that not only uh, defend the Prophet ﷺ, but form like a fortified wall around the Messenger ﷺ. The way the Ansar would put their lives on the line, literally grab the Prophet ﷺ. Oop, and the mic hit me. <laughs> literally grab the Prophet ﷺ uh, when the Prophet ﷺ was in the battle of Uhud to protect him and you have the munafiqoon from that very same battle that are finding an excuse to not participate in that battle so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says "Lima ma taf'alun ma la, ma la honor that contract honor that covenant that you took with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and go forth and protect the prophet وسلم, show him love and allah gives us the example of isa alayhi salam jesus peace be upon him and his loyal disciples the hawariyun and allah says kunu ansar allah be helpers of Allah. The way that Isa Alayhi salam, Jesus, peace be upon him, called out and said, Man Ansari ila Who are my helpers in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Al-hawariun, nakhnu ansarullah." And the disciples said, we are the ansar. We are the helpers in your cause for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here Allah جل, has just praised in this very same juz the ansar of the Prophet sallallahu who honored the contract who uh, who showed that loyalty to the Messenger ﷺ and to the Muḥajirūn as they made their way uh, to Medina to start their lives over and were in a great state of vulnerability. Then what does Allah talk about? Allah talks about al Munāfiqūn, and Allah جل, uh you know gives us the opposite side of this: people whose words and acts contradict their thoughts and their feelings, people that stand up and they say "Anṣlitūriyya rasulullah Listen to the Prophet and they're not listening to the Prophet Instead, they are portraying what is false in order to attain, uh, you know, power and prominence in society and to undermine the mission of the Prophet So So, Surah As-Saf and then Surah Al Munafiqun, which is not immediately after, but in the same juz, you have those two those two sets of believers that are put side by side: those that are sincere and go above and beyond, and those that portray faith but actually undermine the cause of faith. And in between both the munafiqoon and the muhsinoon here, what is it? It's the contract. It's the covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rights of the Messenger wasallam, and the rights of, uh, of the believers and those whom Allah Jalla has assigned rights to. And the people in Surah Al saf of course, again, are praised because they go above and beyond the munafiqoon, they hold back. But then there's a deeply personal part of this too. What's sandwiched in between these surahs is surah Al-Jum'ah where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the believers to make their way. That when the call for Friday is made, when you hear the call for the Friday prayer, rush, hasten to the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and leave behind the things of this world, leave behind your trade. Now obviously, we're you know, in an era where it's painful for us to talk about this because of our circumstances. But in normal circumstances, what is Allah talking about? Allah is telling us to analyze deeply ourselves in something that we will, that we will see on a weekly basis under normal circumstances. Our ibadah, how we drag our feet to the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of Friday, how we drag our feet. And if they were to see a better trade or a better deal, then they would leave the Prophet standing. The same way the hypocrites would leave the Prophet standing alone in battle, the people would leave the Prophet standing and they would not come to the call for prayer, the call of Jumu'ah, because they are pursuing what is of this world, not pursuing what is of the hereafter. And so Allah gets to the crux of the matter here that there are people that pursue this world and people that pursue the hereafter, those that pursue the hereafter will push themselves above and beyond to answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those that pursue this world will use the call of Allah to undermine their commitments and undermine their contracts in a way that they seek to hurt the believers and hurt uh, even those that are closest to them uh, in regards to their family. And of course, in the case of the Sahaba, even the Prophet sallallahu alaihi Finally, it ends off with uh, Surah At-Talaq, Surah At-Tahreem. Uh, At-Talaq uh, admonishes, uh, uh, admonishes the wives in this case, whereas Al-Mujadila admonish the husband. And so it's, it is Bil-Ma'roof. alayhinna 'alayhina That treatment should be excellent between both the husbands and the wives, but still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevating the ethics or setting the standard to not mistreat a person in Surah al-Talaq, to not mistreat, uh, to not mistreat uh, your spouse due to some of the things that have emerged and instead to observe the highest level of ethics even in the process of divorce. So Mujadila is a person who uses, who weaponizes a jahili form of divorce. Talaq is a form of divorce that is mashur, that's legislated and that has to observe certain guidelines and ethics in order for a person to still be amongst those who answer the call of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in all of their affairs of their lives. Finally, Surah Tahrim, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that, you know, those who cling to this world and think that their associations will save them, right? Because what you're seeing in this Jews are the munafiqun who, when they went to the disbelievers, they said, we're really with you. And then they, they hung their hats on their association with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and used that. Uh, as as a means of pushing themselves forward in this world. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Look at the wives of Lut alayhi salam and Nuh alayhi salam. تحت عبدين من عبادنا صالحين فلم من الله شيئا وقيل دخل النار مع الداخرين. Look at the wives of prophets, Lut and nuh alayhi salam. Their association with their husbands meant nothing to them. It did nothing for them whatsoever. It only increased them in humiliation. So they are hypocrites, right? Because they were married to prophets and they used their marriage to the prophets to undermine the message of their husbands who were prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, look at Asiya alayhi as-salam anha wa salam, who put everything forward and Maryam salam, who put everything forward. Asiya married to the worst human being ever but still was able to elevate herself in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to perfect her faith and sacrificed everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because she had no need for this world whatsoever. لِي عِندك بيتًا فِي الْجَنَّةِ Oh Allah, build for me a palace with you in paradise. So while some people hold back from their prophets and hold back from Jumu'ah and hold back from their ibadat because of the matters of this world, and some people even betray the prophets, even their husbands. Here you have a woman that sacrificed everything for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the palace that is in Jannah with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the ultimate, subhanAllah, the mujadila in the beginning, pleading about the mistreatment of her husband and Allah answering her. And here Asiya alayhi salam pleading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about her husband mistreating her Fir'aun and Allah giving her a house in paradise and an elevated state. And inshallah ta'ala with that, I'll pass it on to Shaykh Abdullah.
0: Jazakum Allah khairan. Bismillah wa salat wa salam ala Rasulullah wa ala Ali wa sahbihi wa la a'mabat. Inshallah, what we plan to cover is the verses in the chapter of Hashr, uh, verses number eighteen and nineteen, Taala, and that is uh, speaking roughly about uh, accountability. That's the word that comes to mind uh, when reading these beautiful verses. As we know, in this month, as as and as should be in every month, that we as human beings hold ourselves accountable, and that means. Of accountability is that which will obtain, will allow us to obtain the mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's kind of interchangeable because we see that when you have the mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you hold yourself accountable. And by holding yourself accountable, a sign of that is mindfulness. And this is what we were talking about earlier, that the actions of Iman, when you exemplify them, when you do them, whether it's in your heart or your limbs or your tongue, that it increases your faith. And that process is a beautiful process. And that's the process of Hidayah, the process of guidance. So here Allah is talking about the chapter of Al-Hashr. And Al-Hashr means the gathering, which was a gathering of the tribe of the nations before from ben Nadir nadir the tribe of ben nadir uh, they were gathering against the Prophet ﷺ to plot against him. But what I want to talk about here is this beautiful verse where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about these certain groups and the ayat before that. And He says, after al-lamun shaitanajim, ya yuhadidina amnu takallaha wal-tanzur nafsum ma qaddamat liqad, but takallaha innallaha khabeerum bima ta'aminun. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "O mankind, or, 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 or excuse me, or oh you who, who you, O you who believe." Have mindfulness of Allah and look at what your hands have put forth. Have mindfulness of Allah, for verily of Allah is the all aware of what you do. So what's beautiful here, the scholars have mentioned a number of benefits, and we will just cover some of them. Firstly, he says, "O oh, you who believe. So it's a call out to those who believe in the names and attributes of God, and they try their level best to exemplify them and show them, inshallah. He says, ittaqullah Now, taqwa, as we know, we say God-fearing or mindfulness. But actually, when one is mindful of Allah, it will result in having a healthy fear of Allah, having a health, healthy love of Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala, to where you weigh both of them out and all of the other names and attributes that request from you to show that within your actions. So that is the taqwa. And as as, as uh, the Prophet said, "Manatukallah, And he says, "Whoever has mindfulness of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, Allah will protect him." And that is what the verb wakiya means, or Waqa means, is to have a protection or a shield in something. So, in other words, the actions of good that you do serve as a shield and a preventative measure against actions uh, of evil or actions that are immoral or unethical, etc. So, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, O you who believe, have mindfulness of Allah. So, here he says, and another is to look at something. But it's not only with the eyes also, it's also, as they say, another for sama or another or another woman is to look at something and to ponder over it. It's not just just staring, but it's if you were to stare and that staring leads to ponderance, pondering over what you are looking at to result in something beneficial for you or to result in an action. So here Allah is saying, and let every soul, Look at what they are putting forth. Ibn Ashur mentions beautifully in this verse because he says, because right after this, Allah says, What He says, and have mindfulness of Allah. He says it twice. So Ibn Ashur says this portion where he says, and every soul shall look at what they put forth, it is like an interjection. So it's it's the basis of the sentence would be Yah you bima Oh, you who believe, have mindfulness of Allah, for verily really Allah is all aware of what you do. But it is as though Allah interjecting here and saying, And let every soul look at what it's putting forth. It is as though He is telling you how to be mindful. What is the strategy or what is an example or what is an action that you can do within yourself, within your heart, that shows that you are mindful of Allah. It is looking at what your soul is putting forth, looking at what you've done. What are you doing in this life? And that is the beauty of the salawat. Just one example. When we see that it is spread out over this time span of a day, five times. You know, the Prophet ﷺ gave an example. If there was a river floating in, you know, flowing in, in front of someone's house, and he was he or she was to washing it every day. Would there be any daran? He said, Would there be any filth on that person? They said, No. And this is the example, the analogy that he gave of the salawat. But even looking at a river, subhanAllah, it flows heavily. It is always moving. It is definitely a means of cleansing rather than a lake, but it's like always moving. So it would eliminate those sins. The sins will be eliminated when one is mindful and one looks at what they put forth. So when you're in your prayer, think about what you've done. If you're in Salat al Lord, what have you done from Fajr to the Lord? And ask Allah for you. Call out his name. And that is looking at what you've done. And radin here means, you know, radin literally in Arabic means tomorrow. But here, subhanAllah, the scholars mentioned being that he said it was Allah used the indefinite form, غَدٍ. يعني not it is a, a day, a day. Because some scholars mention that the life of this dunya, this worldly life is like one day and tomorrow is the next life, subhanAllah. So when looking at what have you done being an individual that constantly ponders over, okay, what did I do? You know, it's about to be Asr. When he says, when he or she says, Allahu Akbar, they praise Allah and they think about what they've done from Dhuhr to Asr. And they hold themselves accountable. That is the action of a muttaqi. That is the action of a mindful person. So right after that, Allah repeats, wattaqullah, to show the importance of it. In Allah bima ta'binun. Allah is well aware of what you do. Now, some scholars mention the difference between al-khabir and al alim that Allah just says, al-khabir bima ta'amadoon. Why? Because al-khabir, the one that is well aware, has knowledge of the bawaltin, has knowledge of the hidden elements of his creation. So those things that may be hidden and not, you know, the average person cannot see it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is well aware of it. Someone may know something about something, but having ihatatul ilm bishay, having full comprehensive knowledge of the ins and outs, if you will, of that object or of that feeling, Allah is well aware of it. When you look at yourself and you hold yourself accountable and your heart is broken because of a sin that you may have committed or your heart is broken because of a good thing that you may have done and associated to other than your creator, Allah is well aware of that. He's well aware of what you do. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you an example, never leaving any stone unturned, where he says in verse number 19, then he gives an example of the opposite the person that does not hold themselves accountable. May Allah not make them from me, make us from those that hold ourselves accountable. Ameen. He says, and do not be like the people that forgot about Allah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can say forgot them, but we want to make a clear explanation on that. He made them forget themselves. So repeat, do not be like the people that forgot about Allah. So he made them forget themselves, for verily they are of the disobedient. Let's just take a small two, three minutes here. SubhanAllah, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the hypocrites in another verse, you know, he says that they forgot about Allah, so Allah forgot them. Now, forgetfulness when we speak about Allah is not like that of His creation. Laysa <laughs> kimitlihi shay. He's not like His creation in any shape, form, or fashion. But it's showing you that when the individual voluntarily, consistently, does not remember Allah, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, as a means of accountability, as a means of reward, we, we if we want to say punishment is where the person will forget their own them- themselves. How many times have you seen someone, they've gone off on the far end and said, wow, where are you? Who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. You've forgotten yourself. You've left off what you know is beneficial for you. So when you as a Muslim, you know who God is, you recognize him and you don't try to do your best. You're not from the sabiqun bil khairat. You're not even trying to be from the muqtasidun. This is where if you consecutively, consistently do that, it can be a means for your for something that is not beneficial for you into this life. And dare we even say your destruction even before death. But all of us know now that we are breathing, we have the opportunity, it's a strong opportunity for us to come back. And that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, those are definitely the disobedient ones. And fisk comes from someone leaving the place of their habitat that is made for them and being that it's made for them it's beneficial for them when they leave from that fasaku, they've left to that which could be detrimental to their benefit so seeing in this beautiful verse we see from surah al hashr 18 and 19 the, con- the the theme we should understand here is accountability May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of those That hold ourselves accountable as Umar Ibn al-Khattab used to say Hasibu qabla wazinu qabla entuzanu. Hold yourselves accountable Before you will be held accountable And weigh your deeds before they will be weighed May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us of them Ameen Jazakallah
1: Ameen. <laughs> 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 I think uh, when you talk about the hypocrites and the way that they always need someone else to hold them accountable, right? Whereas the believers hold themselves accountable. And the Muhsinu in particular, just they go beyond accountability to excellence, right? Move to the next level and to just do right by that. So, Jazakallah khair. I think it was a beautiful tie And Alhamdulillah. Ustad al tafaddali. Thank you for
2: allowing me to be a part of this and thank you to. Imam Omar and Sheikh Abdullah for sharing these reminders with us. So inshallah ta'ala, we're just going to look at the first three verses in Surah Al-Mujanina. And so I'm going to read the English translation because my Arabic is not good enough. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he begins this surah by saying, God has heard the words of the woman who disputed with you about her husband and complain to god god has heard what you both have said he is the hearing the all-seeing even if any of you say to their wives you are to me like my mother's back they are not their mothers their only mothers are those who gave birth to them what they say is certainly blameworthy and false but god is pardoning forgiving. those of you who say such a thing to their wives then go back on what they have said must free a slave before the couple may touch one another again. This is what you are commanded to do, and God is fully aware of what you do. So I want to first begin by, alhamdulillah, we're in Ramadan, and we have made it to Ramadan, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our Ramadan. And in this surah in particular, and I think often when we approach the Qur'an, maybe especially as Westerners, We're so used to reading critically and used to kind of finding the meat in our reading, right? What are the important points that we all learn to do in school? When it comes to the Qur'an, we should remember that every single word and every single letter of the Qur'an, especially when it comes to the Arabic, is crucial and important. And every story that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us in the Qur'an is important. And that's especially valuable to remember with these three verses because it's easy to read it and to say, well, this is not exactly relevant to me because this entire concept, probably most of us never heard of the concept of zihar before reading the Qur'an. But when we approach the Qur'an with all, Sheikh Abdullah just spoke about having mindfulness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and I've, I have heard a Sheikh translate even taqwa to all of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all in the same vein, that we want to remember that the Qur'an is a book of guidance. It's a book of truth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he doesn't have any filler content in the Qur'an. There's no part of the Qur'an that we should feel. Well, let's just skip over that. That's not really uh, relevant to me. We should always be looking to change our state through what the Qur'an is telling us. And the surah and these few verses are no different. And so while this exact concept of zihar is not relevant to us, everything in the story, a lot of the details even, and the bigger picture is relevant to us, despite wa ta'ala, essentially making, making this entire cultural tradition null and void and making anyone who does it have to, and and uh, free a slave, as we just mentioned, um, or to also feed people if we go deeper into the surah. So the verse, these few verses in surah al Mujadila, it reminds us to look beyond the world and of cause and effect and beyond ourselves and beyond culture and turn to Allah subhanahu himself. So khawla she, this is the name of the woman who, who cries out Kaula, she is, of course, a woman of her time, and these are the customs, and this is the culture of their time. So this is something that to us, even when we read the verse where Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, you know, you're, if you call your wife like the back of your mother, she is not really like the back of your mother. Your mother is only one who gives birth to you. It may feel strange to us because we're saying, well, of course, your mother is only one who gives birth to you. But in their time, this is a custom, this is a a a piece of their culture that they took very seriously. So just like in our culture, any culture, we get trapped by our own norms and our own traditions, and you can't do this or you must do this. And we take it seriously as if it were, you know, almost revelation itself. We take it very seriously as human beings, the society and the rules that we create. And so in this culture, when a husband pronounced Zihar on his wife and made her, made her, quote-unquote, like the back of his mother, it was a very difficult position to be in because it was, she was divorced, but she was in a position where she was, she didn't have the freedom to remarry, but she didn't have the rights of a wife. And so in this moment, um, so essentially, Paola, she had just been praying and her husband wanted to be intimate with her thereafter and she refused. And in anger, he pronounced this zihar. And I think it's important that we say that he did it in anger. It was a moment, it was a mistake, because often, or alam. but I think sometimes it's easier to see ourselves in the victim and not in the one who is the oppressor. But we should realize we can also be angry and say something that ruins ourselves, ruins other people, ruins our family members. And so we also should see ourselves in him and be careful of that. And so then they don't know what to do because this is the cultural custom. So as far as they know, they're not married anymore. And so Kaula, she goes to the Prophet she actually goes to her neighbor and she gets some proper clothes to wear, shows the adab of even in this distressed situation, and she's going to get some clothing so that she can be modest when she goes to meet the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and so he goes to her i'll try to summarize the story inshallah to, to be brief she goes to him and she tells him her situation and she begs and pleads for him to do something and you know she's essentially in her mindset is thinking you know, Islam has come, these are these are old cultural customs. What about my children? What about me? So she's giving the Prophet wasalam, different arguments so that he can remove this zihar thing and just undo it. But the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he is the Prophet of God, right? He's not just a leader who's trying to do good things, he is a prophet. This is he is a revelation is speaking through him so he can't just say yes it's wrong just go back to your husband no problem he can't just relieve her burden even though as a believer even though as someone who is his his follower who is a muslim who believes in allah of course he would want to relieve her stress in that moment but he can't make things up the prophet doesn't make anything up and so she's pleading with him and he can't do anything for her. And so then she finally goes to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and she makes her dua to, to him. And a part of her dua is, Oh Allah, it is to you I complain of the severity of my isolation and my grief at the separation. I complain to Allah Most High of my indigence, yeah, I believe that's poverty, and my terrible state. I have small children. If I give them in custody to him, they'll be lost. If I give them in custody to myself, they'll go hungry or oh, I complain to you. And so it's shortly after this du'a that she makes in distress that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reveals these verses. And so I think that it's important for us to, there's a few things that we can take from this, and, and we already read the three verses, so just to come back to them and reflect on them then this is a very difficult situation because this is a cultural norm that they believe in. So as soon as it's pronounced to them, we are not husband and wife, we cannot be together and there's nothing mm-hmm. they can do about it. That's how real that, that part of the culture was to them. And it's a difficulty because she goes through the proper means, right? She goes to the Prophet Wasallam. Who, as a believer, and especially, uh, obviously, in that community, you would think, well, who else can I go to, right? So she goes to the Prophet ﷺ, and he can't help her. But she doesn't turn in despair. In fact, she turns to Allah ta'ala. So, and even before that, I want to just go to the moment where her husband pronounced Zihar. She could have, even in that moment, had despair and said, well, this is just my state just like the other women who this has happened to in in my culture and our tradition this is just my state now i've been in in distress and um she could have stopped right there and not even thought to go to the prophet sallallahu Alaihi wasallam but she goes to the prophet sallallahu wasallam and when he can't help her then she goes directly to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. so this is such a beautiful lesson to us that it's okay and important to go through the proper means, go through the proper channels, whoever you think can most directly help you. But don't forget to go to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it's also just a couple of points, other points, the primacy of our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, in this world of cause and effect, you know, this thing happened to me, this person did that. But the reality is that no one can do anything unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows it. And so once we believe that and know that as believers, then we will always feel comfortable to go to alayhi no matter how insurmountable um, the issue is. And then to realize that in her story, then she ends up through her dua and Al accepting it. And then this revelation, she ends up changing the entire trajectory of her culture and of her society because of her faith and because she wasn't willing to just put up with mistreatment and just, you know, throw her hands up and say, this is my state now. She went to the Prophet, she went to Allah Taala, and she had faith that this terrible thing that had happened to her could change. And what did Allah Taala do in response? He not only changed her condition, he changed the condition for all women to come so that this couldn't happen to them. So the, the last point I'll say, which is maybe just a repetition is to have faith against even insurmountable odds. Don't think that anything is too big for Allah to um, to overturn, to change in your life, that he can change anything as he changed for this woman something that she, in her culture, this, this was just what happened to women. And no one could probably foresee that it would change, but she had the faith to believe it could change and had the faith to go to Allah wa ta'ala to, to free her from this spirit And so, inshallah Allah, those are just a few reminders that I, I thought of when reading these verses and wanted to share, inshallah.
1: May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you, Ustaz al Subhanallah. Khawla bin Thalaba, ta'ala anha, one time Omar, radiallahu anhu, uh, when he was the khalifa, she admonished him. And some of the sahaba, or some of the companions of Omar wanted to silence her and, and he he admonished them he said don't you know that this is the woman who when she pled allah heard her from above seven heavens you know like subhanallah that this woman would otherwise have been looked down upon and deemed insignificant but the way that allah جل, elevated her status um you know that that asura would come down the woman who pleads and allah placing his name in every ayah to say allah is there allah is there allah is there allah is there. Allah is there. Uh, it's truly a beautiful uh, reflection. So may Allah reward you. JazakAllah khair, Shaykh Abdullah, JazakAllah khair, Ustaz We appreciate having you. And inshallah ta'ala, we'll see the rest of you tonight for Ibad uh, al-Rahman at 2 a.m. Eastern, inshallah. as alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
0: Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.